Section 4 of The Art of Music, Volume 1, The Pre-Classic Periods. Editor-in-Chief, Daniel Gregory Mason. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Jake Militia. We have seen how naturally the percussion instruments were developed, how they sprang into being, as it were, in response to an innate necessity for rhythmic expression, an inevitable accompaniment of the dance and the dance song. Almost at the same time, wind instruments of a simple and rude kind were fashioned. Whistles were made from the bones of animals with the marrow removed. Pipes were made from hollow reeds, while conch shells and the horns of deer-like animals furnished the first trumpets. These primitive whistles, pipes, and deer-horn trumpets, when blown, were capable of giving forth but one tone. Footnote. Horns made from elephant tusks have been found in Central Africa. End of footnote. However, it is highly probable that, as their makers grew more familiar with the effect of the varying pressure of the lips, certain partials of the fundamental tone were produced, such as the octave, the fifth, and even the third. Eventually a series of holes were pierced in them, thus making it possible by means of stopping and unstopping these holes with the fingers to produce a rude scale of tones. But the first whistles were evidently of the one-tone variety. An interesting relic of this description has been exhumed by N. Latte in the department of Dordogne, France. It consists of a small bone, probably of the reindeer, about two inches in length. Through this bone, near one end, a small hole has been bored, probably by a sharp piece of hard stone, like flint. By applying the lips to this hole and blowing strongly, a shrill whistling sound is produced. This was no doubt used in hunting or as a call. In a cave at Lombrive, in the department of Ariège, several dog teeth with similar holes for whistling have likewise been discovered. To construct an instrument of the whistle variety, which should produce more than one tone, was the next step. On whistles or pipes of different lengths, tones of different pitches can be produced. Low tones from long pipes, higher tones from shorter pipes. So different lengths of whistles were rudely bound together, the longest at one end, the shortest at the other end, and the intermediate ones arranged in a sequence according to their relative lengths. Thus an instrument was made from which it was possible to obtain a succession of rising tones, a primitive scale. As with the drum among percussion instruments, so this instrument among wind instruments occupies a place of honour. The invention of the drum sums up for us all previously existing rhythmic musical impulses, and this collection of whistles gives us an instrument on which the production of a sequence of different tones on musical scale is possible. It has been given the poetical name of Pan's Pipes. These Pan's Pipes, of more or less primitive construction, are found quite generally among the savage tribes of the world. Specimens have been found in South America consisting of but two flutes or pipes, a kind of double flute as it were, while specimens with a variable number of pipes, from six or seven up to fifteen, have been found among the inhabitants of the various islands of Polynesia. Stumpf, in Die Anfänger der Musik, reproduces a photograph taken in southwest Africa, showing an orchestra of Pan's pipes. There are eleven performers, each holding a set of pipes. 
The instruments are of several sizes, the smallest being about six inches, and the largest five or six feet in length. Archaeological discoveries in the ancient tombs or burial places of barbarous or semi-civilized peoples bring many curious specimens to light. In the British Museum, there is a pan's pipe consisting of a double row of reeds bound together exactly opposite each other, a sort of double pan's pipes. Each series consists of seven reed pipes, and while one series of pipes remains open, allowing the free passage of air through them, all the pipes of the second series have been closed at the lower end. Now, to stop a pipe at the bottom has the effect of raising its pitch an octave. It was evidently the intention that two of these pipes should be blown at once, and when this is done through the whole series, the following succession of notes is produced. This is a five-toned or pentatonic scale, the last two tones being merely duplicates in octave of the first two. The scale of five tones, arranged in varying sequence, is a primitive form of scale. While not so primitive as some, scales of three or four tones for instance, it is still much more so than the scales on which our modern art of music is based. Another specimen of ancient Peruvian pans pipes, at present in the New York Museum of Natural History, gives the following scale. This is a scale of eight tones and bears some slight relation to the minor scale in use at the present day. Among the Tahitians, Captain Cook observed that the raising or lowering of the pitch of a single flute or pipe was accomplished by rolling up a leaf in tubular form, inserting this improvised tube into the bottom of the flute and pushing it in or drawing it out until the required pitch was obtained. Some such device as this quite probably suggested the obtaining of different tones from the same pipe. The rolled-up leaf was itself used as a pipe, capable of giving forth a true musical tone. One of the natives of the Sandwich Islands, on being questioned in regard to their primitive musical instruments, stripped a leaf from the tea plant, and, rolling it up somewhat in the shape of an old-fashioned lamplighter, blew through it, producing a tone of pure reed-like quality. Emerson says, This little rustic pipe, quickly improvised from the leaf that every Hawaiian garden supplies, would at once convert any sceptic to a belief in the pipes of the god Pan. Among the inhabitants of New Guinea, a flute or pipe is in use in which the tones are varied by means of a slide, which is pushed into the tube or withdrawn in much the same manner as the rolled-up leaf mentioned by Captain Cook, but evidently on a much more extensive scale. This is in effect a primitive trombone. Finally, flutes or pipes which are pierced with holes are found among many savage tribes, who have discovered that the effect of lengthening or shortening the tube could be obtained by boring holes in it, and stopping them or unstopping them with the fingers. Simple as this may appear to us, it was a great discovery for the savage mind to make, and must have been the culmination of many groping attempts to attain this end extending through long ages. On the most primitive instruments of this nature, the finger holes were but two or three in number, 
But flutes or pipes are now found among nearly all savages capable of giving scales from five to eight tones. Betis figures and describes an instrument made from the horn of a stag, which was found in an ancient sepulchre near Poitiers, France. This instrument, which is a sort of trumpet or flute à bec, is pierced with three holes and gives a series of four diatonic tones. The lowest with all the holes stopped, the next higher with one finger raised, and so on. It is described as being made with care and precision, the holes having been placed with an exactitude which would seem to indicate a considerable knowledge and appreciation of certain facts of acoustics. In the sepulchre where this instrument was found, there were arms and other implements made of stone. This musical instrument, therefore, almost surely dates from the later period of the Stone Age, which age preceded, in point of time, the age in which man discovered and made use of metals. It is therefore prehistoric and undoubtedly of very great antiquity. In the New York Museum of Natural History, there is a collection of ancient bone flutes from Peru. These flutes are pierced with finger holes and give various scales of four, five, and six tones. The four-toned scale sounds entirely rational and is in accordance with our modern ideas of diatonic succession. Also, this five-toned scale and this six-toned scale But certain other scales given by these flutes appear to be more or less freakish in character, and consist of a somewhat hit-or-miss collection of tones, indicating either a very crude musical sense among the ancient Peruvians, or very little skill on the part of the makers of the flutes. A cane flute in the collection gives this scale. Nose flutes are found at the present day among many tribes. These are made from a section of bamboo or other cane-like wood from which the pith has been removed. The top end is left closed by the joint and a hole pierced on the side very near the top. Finger holes from two to four in number are bored in the tube of the flute. In playing, the flute is pressed firmly against the lips, taking care that the little hole near the top end is covered by one nostril. Music of an extempore kind is now produced by breathing into the instrument and covering and uncovering the finger holes in the usual manner, the length of the piece of music being determined by the breath of the performer. The following specimen of nose flute music was collected by Miss Jenny Eisner in Hawaii.
The development of these primitive wind instruments is usually ascribed to a slightly later period than that of the development of the first percussion instruments. The construction of wind instruments is considered to represent a slightly higher degree of mental development in man, and hence they are not regarded by ethnologists as being so primitive as the percussion instruments. Nevertheless, Wolaszek insists that the first instruments to be developed were wind instruments, alleging in proof the discovery of some Egyptian flutes, which he asserts antedate any other musical instruments of which we have any record. It is certainly true that the physical organism of man contains in itself the prototype of all wind instruments, i.e. the voice. But it is equally true that hand clapping and the stamping of feet are also native to him, and these are undoubtedly the prototypes of all percussion instruments. The isolated fact of the discovery of these flutes is not of sufficient weight to our mind to justify the belief that wind instruments were developed anterior to percussion instruments. As the appreciation of the fact of definite musical tones being obtainable on instruments took root and grew in the human mind, and especially as these tones began to be arranged in definite series or scales, another instrument of a remarkable nature was developed. It was a percussion instrument, but one on which could be produced not only a tone having a definite pitch, but a whole series or scale of tones. Hence, it was as capable of reproducing a melody as some of the primitive pipes or flutes. This was the xylophone. This instrument, having its far distant origin in the two sticks of wood, which were struck together to produce a rhythmical noise by the most primitive savages, has been brought to its greatest perfection by the Africans and the Guatemalans. Its principle of construction is similar to that of the pan's pipes, a series of sticks or bars of wood arranged according to their relative lengths, the longer giving forth the lower tones and the tones growing higher in pitch as the sticks grow shorter. The series of sounding sticks of wood are in Africa usually fixed over a gourd, a series of gourds, or a drum-like instrument which acts as a sounding board thus giving the pieces of wood greater sonority. This instrument, as it is found among many of the African tribes, has a compass of from one to two octaves and gives approximately the tones of our usual diatonic scale. It aroused the admiration of Junod to such an extent that he refers to it as the African piano, not an inapt name, by the way. The marimba of the Guatemalans while not exactly a xylophone, is a percussion instrument which is capable of giving a scale of definite tones. According to Wallachek, it consists of a number of gourds, as many as 16, covered with a flat piece of wood, beaten with a stick, and produces different tones according to the size of the gourd. The tone is said to resemble very much that of our modern piano. The development of drums, such elementary wind instruments as have been noted, the xylophone, a suggestion of harmony and the rude idea of scale, make up the sum of the musical accomplishment of primitive man. It is true that the precursor of the stringed instruments is to be found in the hunting bow, and a few cases are found where this is used as a sort of one-stringed harp, the string being either struck with a stick or plucked with the fingers. Mention must also be made of the African gura, a sort of primitive Aeolian harp.
It has but one string and is similar in shape to the child's small bow for shooting arrows. It has a quill affixed to one end in such a way that the string may be vibrated by blowing through the quill. The fingers are then lightly touched to the string and a few faint harmonic-like sounds are produced. But, generally speaking, the development of stringed instruments is not to be looked for among the savage peoples. It coincides with the rise of man from barbarism to some degree of civilization. It is impossible to trace the progress of music in unbroken sequence from its primitive beginnings to its development as an art by civilized nations. The record is far too fragmentary. There are too many missing links, too many isolated and well-nigh inexplicable facts. Thus, among semi-civilized peoples like the Malays, the Bedouins and the people of Africa, we find music of a comparatively high order and sophisticated nature. It is inconceivable that these people should have developed this music by their own initiative. The only reasonable explanation is that it has been acquired to a certain extent from educated travellers and explorers. In this process it has been unconsciously modified so that it usually reflects both elements, the barbaric and the civilised. The following melody, which is a song in use by the medicine men of southeastern Africa for the exercising or expelling of an evil spirit from a person supposed to be possessed by it, is a case in point. While this melody has an undoubted barbaric character as a whole, it shows traces of civilised influence. It is quite definitely in the key of G, even though it contains no F-sharp, and the passages for chorus sound anything but barbaric. From the same district comes the following war song. While structurally, especially in regard to the use of the musical intervals, it exhibits considerable musical sophistication, the general effect is wild and primitive. This war song was in actual use in 1895. Among many of the semi-civilized tribes of Africa, harps are found to be in use, some having as many as 16 strings. The oboe, an instrument of a much higher type than the primitive pipe, is also found. It is conjectured that the Africans derived the harp from ancient Egypt, as many of those in use at the present day much resemble in form certain harps which we find represented in ancient Egyptian sculptures and bas-reliefs. As for the oboe, it was almost certainly introduced by Arabian traders. Among several tribes, but particularly the Ashantis, is to be found a rude sort of stringed instrument which in construction is somewhat midway between a harp and a banjo, and has some of the characteristics of each. It is called a sanko. It has eight strings, the lowest of which is tuned to middle C, and the highest an octave above. The intermediary strings fairly represent the tones of the usual diatonic scale, the origin of the Sanko is known to be Arabian, 
but its construction has undoubtedly undergone some modification in the hands of the Africans. It is capable of giving forth incipient harmony, and its negro players make frequent use of thirds, sixths, and even chords of three tones, triads. Here are two specimens of music played upon the Sanko, both collected and transcribed by T. E. Bowditch in Ashanti. Number one. Number two. The first of these tunes is claimed by the natives of Ashanti to be their oldest traditional tune. It certainly seems to possess all the crudity of true primitive music. The second tune is far more highly and rationally organised, and shows more decidedly the effect of external influence. Quite free from the possible modification of European imitation, however, are the following fragments, recently taken down on the phonograph by Sir Harry Johnston in Uganda. It is to be regretted that the notation is not more exact. Fragment number one of the Baganda tribe. Fragment number two of the Maasai. Fragment number three. Algernon Rose has described a peculiar kind of xylophone which he saw in South Africa. It consists of a series of ten or more pieces of bamboo of different lengths. All are fastened tightly at one end to a board, leaving the other end free. This other end is plucked with the thumb or fingers, after the manner of a harp string. The pieces of bamboo being plucked in this manner, each gives forth a sound, and as they are of different lengths, it is possible to produce a series of different sounds, a rudimentary musical scale. Rose refers to the instrument as a clicker, 
and finds it to be in use among the Kathirs. T. E. Bowditch also mentions an instrument which seems to be, from his description, almost identical with the instrument described above. This he found to be in use in Ashanti before 1819. He gives the following air as having been played upon it. This certainly sounds quite natural to civilised ears. Bowditch also mentions a one-stringed instrument called the bentwa, which seems to have been played much in the manner of a Jew's harp. He says, The bentwa is a stick bent in the form of a bow, and across it is fastened a very thin piece of split cane, which is held between the lips at one end and struck with a small stick, while at the other it is occasionally stopped or rather buffed, by a thick one. On this they play only lively airs, and it owes its various sounds to the lips. He also gives this tune as having been played upon this instrument. Its resemblance to certain Irish jigs in 6-8 time is worthy of remark. There also exists, among one of the lesser-known tribes, the Empungwa, an instrument having five strings, said to be made of the filaments of the palm tree. Bowditch describes this instrument as being made of pieces of bamboo, which, being bound together, form a species of sounding board over which the strings are stretched lengthwise and held up by means of bridges at the ends. He gives the following tune as having been played on this instrument. While the study of some of the musical instruments of semi-civilized peoples is of ethnological interest, the music itself is questionably so, inasmuch as it is more or less of a jumble of two elements, the barbaric and the civilised. Hence it is not of real significance in tracing the natural rise and evolution of the art. Much of the music of semi-barbarous peoples does not consist of what they have themselves developed during their rise from savagery, but consists more frequently of diluted, distorted, and malappropriated bits of melody which have by devious roots reached them from civilization. End of section 4